So you want to know? You want to know a, a surefire sign that you're getting old? Yes. <laughs> um, there's a shop right near me, supermarket near me, uh, that I knew backwards and forwards because I'd been there so much. It was like my go-to supermarket. Mm. They closed at the beginning of the summer to tear it down and rebuild a completely brand new remodeled store, like top of the line store. Uh, it just opened September 1st and I was really excited to go. Oh, wow. But I was like, I called my mom. I was like, um, yeah, I'm getting old that I was excited about going to a grocery store. Why? Grocery, good grocery stores are hard to come by, man. And when you find a good grocery store, like that's, that's your place. I don't yeah, know. But, I love a good grocery store. Yeah. And it was great. Like I went in there and I was like, oh, this is awesome. They have so much new stuff that they never had before. It's yeah. three times as big. And I was like, but now I got to learn where everything is again. <laughs> yeah. I knew the other I, store like the back of my hand. Yeah. Yeah. We went to Swansboro to go visit our friends um, over, it was like the last weekend before school started or something. And we went into our old grocery store that we went to for four years. And it was just so comforting being there and just knowing where to go, where I could find everything. I knew what was there, what brands were there, what wasn't there. And then I come back here, back home, and I'm just like, oh, I don't even know. I, I don't have a grocery store. I don't know where anything is. Like, Grocery stores are important. <laughs> well, and that was the thing too. Like it would, like I said, it was like three, it was like a third of the size of this new one. And I knew where everything is. I knew all the employees that work like, and know them by name, but I knew them by face. Cause I was there so often. Right. And then this new one opens on September 1st and I walk in and it's three times as big. Yes. There's new stuff, but I don't know where anything is. And I don't recognize any of the employees, and there's the place is packed because it's brand new. There's so many right. people in the supermarket that probably have never stepped foot in the old one. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is not my supermarket, but it is my supermarket. Right. <laughs> You're like, I need, I need to find a buffer supermarket until all of this dies down. Oh, no, I have them because I had to go to other supermarkets while right. I was waiting for this one to reopen. But I'm in here and I'm, there's a part of me that's looking at all these people. I'm like, you don't belong in this supermarket. This is my <laughs> supermarket. Can't sit here. Sleep <laughs> taken. <laughs> I have not watched that movie in so long. I can't wait to show it to my kids. I'm waiting for the right opportunity. <clears throat> yeah, it might be a little too young still. It's PG-13. It's not R. But there's still some content that's a little adult. Yeah, I guess. I Like Forrest I and Jenny in her dorm. <laughs> I think that's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little too, still a little too adult for your kids, but yeah. And I, that's really, it's that part. And yeah, it's mainly that part only it really anything with Jenny while she was, uh, growing up with her drugs and her sex and, and, and topless guitar playing in a bar. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. I mean, you don't see anything, but right. No, I understand that. But I, I did forget about that. I would say there's also the whole fact of what Jenny dies of. But at the time, we didn't even know what the hell Jenny died of. Yeah, huh? It's never mentioned. Oh, we know it's AIDS. We, because we know what it is, but it's, uh, it's never it's never called by name. No, but the explanation and doctors don't know what it is and blah, 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 blah. Like it. Well. 
that's one of the reasons why they never mention it in the movie is because at that time period, they yeah. didn't know what it was either. Well, it's a really good lesson in inferencing if you're an English teacher. <laughs> for, for those people listening who might not know what inferencing is. Oh, please give you, a definition. It's when you look at context and you make your own conclusions based on the story that you're given. Gotcha. It's being observant. And when I said for the people listening who might not know, I meant me. <laughs> I knew that. Okay. Sorry, I was taking a sip. I'm trying to finish my breakfast. All right, all done. So we have movies to talk about. We do. We um, do have movies. I watched mine last night. I watched mine last night. Oh, good. Uh, and I just want to say, I really appreciate the fact that both of us picked movies from the same time period. The 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although. All right. So. I feel like the conversation about my movie, meaning the movie that I watched. Yeah. Might get a little heavy. Okay. So do we want to do it first or do we want to save it for a second? No, I'll talk about pirate radio first. Okay. So, so I, I, I so <laughs> I started watching this movie at my parents' house last weekend. I got about fifteen minutes in, and and I said I want to watch this with Dave. So I stopped watching it, and uh, we finally got the opportunity to watch it last night. And we both kind of had the same feelings about it. Like we really liked it, but we couldn't pin down what kind of a movie it was. Like <laughs> it was kind of funny, but it was also dramatic. It was, it was like a coming of age story. Like I felt like the, it, that the movie had this like, like identity crisis throughout, but <laughs> it very much felt like, like a raunchier version of almost famous but radio style yeah i the moment you said the moment you started saying it almost felt like a raunchier version instantly in my mind i was like she's gonna say almost famous she's yeah, gonna say almost that's famous. what it yeah because that's basically what it is it's good it was really good i mean i love philip seymour hoffman i think that anything he does is magic um i'm and every time i see him in anything i just get really pissed off that he couldn't kick his drug addiction um, because I loved, I loved him, everything he did. I loved everything he did. And this is just another, another example of that. I mean, he is very much a supporting character. He is not a main character in this movie. I don't really and, think there is a lead in this movie. Uh, I would say it's probably Carl. Okay. All right. But, I Fair mean, enough. we really watch this from Carl's perspective, I think, but, <clears throat> excuse me, um, but Philip Seymour Hoffman is the star of this movie, for me. I, he's just, he's the best part. Every single time he's there, it's just, I don't know if it's just because he's so committed to the character or because he just found a way to make his character really awesome. I love the fact that he won the ultimate game of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> well, did he though? Yeah, he did. Because I don't know if anybody really won that game. Uh, he called. He called uh, um, Gavin a chicken, and Gavin left anyways. Oh, by the end of the movie, at the very end yes. of the movie. Okay, he yeah. Won I thought you meant at chicken. the actual game. No, 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 no. When okay. he when he decided to go down with the ship, 
which I so first off, I want to say the reason why I gave you this movie is because I adore this movie. This movie is I the cast is phenomenal. Yeah. It is a huge Brit with the exception of Philip Seymour Hoffman, it is a huge cast of British actors who are who many of them have become very big in their own right since then. Um, you know, you had Nick Frost, uh Philip or was it Philip Dowd? No. Chris Dowd. Chris, Chris O'Dowd. Yeah. Chris O'Dowd. Uh, I love I, him in, in IT crowd. Uh, Kenneth Brenna, who is was already huge at the time. Bill Nighy, who was already huge at the time. Reese Ifans. Okay, can we just talk about the fact that Bill Nighy, every single time he was in a scene, he's perpetually flipping everybody off. <laughs> like one of one of my favorite. He just lives. He just lives like this. Yeah. One <laughs> of my favorite scenes in that movie is with, um, Quentin and the Count. And it's when the count is getting ready to say the F word on the air for the first time. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they trick Quentin into doing it like yes. multiple times. It's that was wonderful. Uh, and I, I will tell you this too. Uh, Reese Darby, who is the actor that plays Angus. Um, I had him on the podcast. I had him on Wilhelm years, a couple years back. So getting to talk to him about this movie because I love this movie so much was a great experience. That's he was awesome. on he was on to promote something else, but I got to talk to him. I asked him, I was like, I was like, you, I said, you are in one of like a movie that I absolutely adore. I was like, and that's pirate radio. I'm like, would you mind talking about that? He's like, no, he's like, I would love to talk about that movie. So we got to talk about pirate radio when he was on. Was it too. so? Did he have such a good time making that movie? Because it looked like a good time. He did. He had a great time. Um, the only person, the only other person from the cast that I've met that I didn't get an opportunity to talk to about this movie is Nick Frost. Oh yeah, you know I did not like his character at all. No, Dave is kind of a dick. Kind of. Well, I mean, he sleeps with uh, Carl's girlfriend. Yeah. Before he and, even does, and doesn't even care that he no yeah he sleeps he with Marianne it. and just doesn't even care <clears throat> but he also I mean he's just he's not he he's not a good guy at all and he's gross like it's just so funny because I just like I think he was my least favorite character to tell you the truth I loved um I love the count I love Carl I loved um Chris O'Dowd whatever his character Simon Simon yep yeah simple Simon um, yeah, I loved thick, thick Kevin, thick Kevin, the game that they played when they're playing the guessing game. And he's like, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. He's got, he's got a lot of friends. <laughs> where's it? Where's a dress? He wears a dress and some sandals. <laughs> Dave, Dave looks at me. He goes, is he talking about Jesus? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, he's talking about Jesus. <laughs> And even the count knows who he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Because they all know thick Kevin. Like they, they know his thought process. I like at the very end too, or towards the end, thick Kevin goes, I am thick, aren't I? I'm, I'm thick. <laughs> or when he got super drunk and he has this like really meaningful conversation with Carl, like he's making sense for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah. 
I love I like how he, like al- he always tries to be in the room every time Carl and Mary, like when Carl and Marianne are in there. He's- it's really gross. <laughs> so well, I don't think it's I don't think it's intentional. I think he's just so thick he doesn't realize the point. He's supposed to leave the room. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> he is. He's so thick. Wow. He he just no awareness at all. And what what does he do on the ship? What's hey, his job? I think he's another producer. Okay. Or like an he, assistant. Not, like, yeah, he's not a DJ, right? No. <laughs> no, that's like him and uh, Harold. <laughs> him, Harold, and Carl are kind of like the assistants, to, like assistant producers. Harold was the black guy, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Does he speak? Yeah. We hear okay. him speak a couple times. All right. Not not much. Yeah. I, I just feel like most of what he did was nonverbal. Like, he was just giving giving records and my one of my favorite scenes it was actually unscripted i read in the trivia where um where carl is sitting on the couch and he's like super depressed and the two guys i and i don't remember their names come up and sit next to him and give him milk and cookies mm-hmm. and then they start eating his milk and cookies and then um who who was the who was the guy that i that we were just talking about who I said, does he talk Harold Harold? Yeah. And Harold just kind of like shrugs his shoulders and gives him a cookie. And he's like, dip the cookie. And it's like, not a word is, is said, but everybody's smiling and laughing at the end. And apparently that was just supposed to be like a one shot, like of Carl sitting on the couch depressed, but um, Harold and the other guy happened to be on set that day. And so he said, Hey, um, during the scene, I want you guys to go up to to Carl and just do what you think that you would do to make your friend feel better if he was sad. And oh, that's how that yeah, that's how that scene came about. <laughs> I didn't know that was unscripted. But I loved like I mean, as somebody who's worked in radio and has worked mm-hmm. at a radio station, like I loved I, I just I love the camaraderie of the entire yeah team i mean even as the boat is sinking and they're all in that room and they're talking about it and angus is the one he's like you know they're all saying like no angus is saying how nobody likes him he's nobody's friend and carl asks everybody to put their hand up if they consider him a friend and everybody starts putting their hand up and they're like all right be honest and everybody starts putting their hand down (laughs) (laughs) again so bad but it was a it was meant to be a joke like they were all obviously joking about yeah Because they they all do start, well, they all do start laughing, including Angus. So it was, it was clearly meant to be like a ribbing uh, on (laughs) Angus, but it's like, I just, I love the camaraderie of everybody. It's like a family environment, even though they're, it's like a family through brotherhood. Yeah. Rather than like actual family. Um, It was, you know what? I love. I really liked the feeling of that movie. It was very it was very much an ensemble cast. It was fun. It was fun to watch. And even when the ship was going down, you know, they all stuck to their personalities, which was adorable. And then I did cry. I cried when all the ships arrived, when all the boats arrived. I I still get <clears throat> choked up during that mm-hmm. scene cuz it's like <laughs> when uh when Simon's like, I believe the term is a fuckload of boats. <laughs> it's it's ever so more than one boat. And yeah, and all the and all the boats come in, and everybody's there, and ev- they all get rescued. And then I remember the first time I watched it, actually getting choked up to seeing the count pop out of the water. Because that was awesome. Because I legit thought he was going to go down with the ship. 
Yeah, I mean, after the ship went down, I I told Dave, I go, I guess, I guess the count went down with the ship. And then uh, they show like, you know, it was very like gin and sun reminiscent when they're like going through the water. So I'm prepared to see him <laughs> floating there, you know, and all of a sudden we see a movement and Dave goes, there he is. Like, <laughs> like well, it was hilarious. He was so excited. Cause I remember too. And it's, this is going to sound like it's completely off the wall, but like when they're jumping off the boat, there was a part of me that questioned the first time I watched the movie, they're part of me that questioned like, well, wouldn't the boat kind of pull them under as it's going? And then I remembered Mythbusters actually did an episode about that as to whether or not a boat sinking would pull someone under if they were around the boat. It doesn't. Huh? You, a person can actually stay buoyant enough to, to actually stay above water as a boat is sinking next to them. They tested it. Adam Savage tested it. Especially as, if as you're getting out, like maybe the bubbles even come up because it looks like he was shot out of the water. Well, I'm not even talking about the count. I'm talking about everybody oh, as when they, they were, were jumping, jumping off, off the, the boat. Yeah. Uh-huh. I thought the same thing. I I was, okay, that's good that they had, that Mythbusters took care yeah. of that. Mythbusters <laughs> actually did an episode about that and Adam Savage was the one that tested it. Like he actually was on, they sunk a boat and he was next to the boat. He was on the boat and next to the boat and he never got pulled under. It's amazing. So science. Science, son. <laughs> yeah, but I had a good time. I had a good time watching it. That's not even a movie that I knew existed. So thank you for recommending it. Yeah, not a problem. And it's the soundtrack is phenomenal. Oh, the soundtrack is the stuff of dreams. Yeah, I actually I don't own much physical media anymore. I ha- I own maybe five CDs and they're mm-hmm. all in my car. The soundtrack to Pirate Radio is one of the CDs I still own. Well, it's really called The Boat That Rocked, Ben. Yes. Well, <laughs> in the U.S., it's called Pirate Radio. Uh, the, the version that you watched is the U.K.-Australian version, the European version, called The Boat That Rocked. And it actually has bonus features or bonus material that is not in the U.S. version. So uh, one of them being uh, Mark or Marcus with the hundreds of naked women. Uh, that scene is in the U.S. version, but they are not topless. Yeah, because in the trivia, it said that that scene was cut from the U.S. version because we're a bunch of prudes. Uh, it is in it. They are just wearing bras. Ah. Uh, and the scene with where they actually leave the boat to go celebrate Simon Stagg. Is yeah. also not in the U.S. version. They really? never act. They never actually leave the boat in the U.S. version. Oh, that's such a fun part because it shows how it shows like <laughs> it shows team building. <laughs> yeah, it does. And I remember watching that scene too. And when um, uh, uh, Gavin, like when Gen- when January Jones leaves Simon to go to Gavin, I was like, huh, that's a prick move. Well, I got to tell you, the whole time, the whole lead up to the wedding, I was like, this is a trick, right? Like, this just doesn't seem. She's, yeah, she does not seem genuine. The type to go with Simon. Yeah. Well, and she was American. So I love the fact that they made her, you know, this greedy, deceptive (laughs) Uh, human. Yeah. Um, it was a fun movie. I definitely would recommend it to other people if they wanted to watch something kind of um, 
almost famous style of movie for sure. Yeah. I'm surprised Cameron Crowe wasn't attached to it to be, to be quite (laughs) honest. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Richard Curtis was the, uh, the director of this one who, uh, Richard Curtis has done like love actually and four weddings and a funeral. And, ah. yeah. Oh, he's a rom-com guy. Yep. Well, this fits right in, in no way possible. Another, Ooh, another movie that he did that. I wonder if it's on your, li- if it's on a movie you've seen before, have you seen the movie yesterday? Oh, the Beatles movie. Yes. No, I haven't seen it. All right. It's getting it. I'm not giving it to you this week, but it's getting added to my list to give you like, uh, all right. <laughs> Unless you want to watch it, I mean, because no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I, I just, I don't care about the Beatles like other people do. All right, fine, I'll put a national. But I'll watch it if if you give me the assignment, I'll watch it. I mean, I've liked all the movies so far. Okay. Uh so then let's switch let's- over to Black Klansman because I love that movie and I want to talk about it. Okay. I, I this is the second movie in the in a row that you gave me that is frustrating. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Frustrating in the sense that it is about something that still fucking happens to this day. I know. Um, However, my next movie is not going to be a true story or dealing with racism or heavy or anything like that. Thank God. Um, (laughs) However, uh, unlike just mercy, this movie has a lot of humor ingrained into it. I mean, uh, there's a number of times I was laughing throughout right. this movie. It's a dark comedy. I think it, it's, a, uh, it is absolutely a dark comedy. And I will, I will surely say too, that if I did not know going into it, this was a Spike Lee movie. I would know watching like immediately. This is a Spike yep. Lee movie and yep. Jordan Peele, which made me love this movie even more because I'm a huge oh, fan of Jordan that. Peele. Jordan Peele was a producer on this. Oh, I didn't. I did not know that. I mean, it's screen. If you've seen any Spike Lee movie, uh, you know within the first few seconds that it's a Spike Lee movie. Yes, absolutely. Uh, John and it David- 100% deserved to be nominated for Best Picture. John David Washington and Adam Driver are fantastic. Great, throughout, great together throughout this entire movie yeah um but one of the reasons why i said the conversation about this one might go deep is because it really this movie made me think about something that i've never really thought about before and it kind of scared me a little Mm. bit it made like you realize as you get older that you become a product of your society. You become a mm-hmm. product of the environment that you live in. You become a, a product of the ev- environment that you're brought up in. Um, you become a product of, of society as the mm-hmm. older that you get. And sometimes as we get older, we're able to break away from that stigma and kind of go on our own path. But a lot of times people get caught up in that. Mm-hmm. And it made me think, if times were different and I grew up in this time period of the sixties with racial bias and, and everything, where would I be? Mm. Would I be the same person or would I be someone who sided with white nationalists? Like would I, because my family are heavy, right? So are mine. Yeah. 
but we've we grew up in a time where we were able to break free of that stigma. Mm-hmm. But during the 60s, it was a lot harder because was it? it was ingrained in you as you grow up. Yeah, but I mean, think about just the whole revolution aspect of the 60s. I mean, people were protesting the war. People were protesting racism. People. I really feel that I would have been the same person I am now. I, I like to think that I would be too. But it is a scary thought sometimes. No, it's absolutely to contemplate. Would I have been? Well, I think that it also depends on which region of the country that you were born in as well. I mean, if I was born and raised in California, like I was, and you were born and raised in Philly, like you were, maybe. Well, I was born and raised in New Jersey, but but okay, but yeah, I think that that's not. We're not being born and raised in you know Alabama, Mississippi, Oklahoma. Sorry, Steve. True. Um, you know what I mean? Like Texas. In, in the South or the, Bi- or the Bible Belt. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, I'd like to think that, you know, if I was born and raised with the same people in the same place, um, then, yeah, I would definitely be the, be the same person then that I am today. Because I think that we have a lot of polarizing subjects today that that were there in the 60s. Which says a lot about our country and how effed we are. Yeah, and I don't want I don't and I don't want this conversation. I don't want anybody listening to say that just because you were, if you're listening from any of those reasons we just mentioned, like I don't want you to think we're automatically calling you these kind of people because we know I live in North Carolina. Okay, I yeah, live but in you're the Bible also Belt. is North Carolina the Bible Belt? Uh, yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh yep. yeah. The Billy Graham Museum or whatever library is in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. All right. Um, but going back, but this movie really made me contemplate that, really made me think of that. I don't know what about this movie was the reason why I started thinking about that. Hmm. But that was a scary thought when I started thinking about that. You know, probably because of Adam Driver's character, because he was never his character was never really confronted with any of these social issues until um until oh, shoot hang on until ron stallworth sorry i had to until Ron Stallworth actually started working with him and pointing out what was happening and exposed him to the KKK and exposed him to what was going on. And then he was threatened with his own, like he thought he was protected by his own whiteness. And it turns out that he wasn't protected because he was Jewish. And that all of a sudden got really scary for him. Yeah. So he was, he was kind of opened up and made vulnerable to what, the society that he was shutting his eyes to was really what, what was really happening there. If that makes any sense. No, it, it does. It makes complete sense. And one of oh. the other things I will tell you watching this movie. Um, and then once I mention this, I promise I'll actually go in and talk about the actual movie. Uh, one of the other things like I, I, I love film. I I've been an actor. I've been an extra. I've done behind the scenes stuff. Movies like this. I don't know if I could ever do as an actor. Because some of the language used <laughs> in this movie, mm-hmm. some of the words being used in particular, I strongly dislike. Yeah. And I know it's a matter of, okay, you're being paid. You're not actually being this person. You don't mean the words you're speaking. They're just lines from a script. They still make me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes, of course. And they're supposed to make you uncomfortable. I mean, I couldn't. I, first of all, Topher Grace was fantastic. 
Yes, I I agree. Yeah, as David Duke. Oh my gosh. I mean, he was creepy and and the, almost likable but really evil like he did a great job the scene at the end like uh, like and that, again there's so much dark humor in this movie that like yeah. when they're there's the scene where ron is talking to him on the phone and they're talking yeah, yeah. about the usage of language and how david duke would absolutely know he was talking to somebody he was he would he was talking to somebody in that of that of that race because right. of the way they say things and the whole time i'm laughing i'm like you're a mo- like you are absolutely talking to one of these people and you and don't have been realize for it. quite a while to the point where at the end of the movie where right before he leaves he, when he walks back into the police station and he calls david duke again and they're all around the phone and he finally calls him out and says you like says like this is who you've been talking to i was like i couldn't help but laugh because yeah it's making people like that it's humiliating people like that and yeah. i loved it yeah. But it's the, not even much humiliation as much as it's, you know, you dumb, arrogant fuck, you know? Yeah. Like, how is it that you think that you are so above everybody else and you're the dumbest boy at school? And you are the c- most clueless person in the room. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You think you're better than everyone in the room, but in reality, you are the most clueless <laughs> You're the person clown here. at the circus. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But like, it, there's so much li- like, oh my God, the scene where, um, uh, where Flip is being, uh, he's giving him the test. Um, no. And it, Ron comes in. He the lie detector. The, yeah, the, the lie detector. Where Felix is giving him the lie detector. Yeah, yeah. And Ron comes in and throws something through the window to kind of distract him so that it can get yeah. out. But the scene where Flip comes out, Adam Driver's character comes out, grabs the gun from Felix it, intentionally so that he doesn't shoot Ron, starts right. firing. But all the things that he's screaming at him, all these derogatory terms, I, like I cringed because I was like, yeah. I... I know Adam Driver is not this person. It makes me uncomfortable to hear these words. Yeah. I know. Well, and I know they're not me. They're not mm-hmm. being directed at me. And they never would because I'm not of that race. But the fact that people used to use, I don't, I don't even want to say used to, because people still use those terms. Well, I was going to say at um, the school where I work, um, these are common office referral write-ups. Our kids, 13, 11 to 14-year-old kids that are being written up uh, for using the N-word at school and not caring at all. And then when asked, why, 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 why do you feel it's okay to use this language at school? Well, my dad does it. And that's my mom the, does it. It's a matter of upbringing, and it's, right. it's a shame. And you just look at them, and you're like, I don't even know why I don't, I don't know how to deal with this right now you know yeah because you can't slap a child well and it you know i can't get them in trouble i I can't get them in trouble with their parents either because their parents aren't going to care yeah their parents are going to question you rather than their child well their parents are going yeah i mean it's listen that's a slip slippery slope but my my point is is that this is something that is still happening regularly today mm. well not, I mean, not sometimes not rarely regularly well and spike lee does a good job of of indicating that too because i remember as i mentioned like there's that scene where ron is on the phone with david duke again and points out how ignorant he was 
calling him out on the fact that like this is who you've been talking to this whole time and it's not even a couple minutes after that that spike lee starts playing footage from charlottesville that was very 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 impactful for me it was a huge shock Mm -hmm. of reality because like yes i i've been watching this movie with all of these issues that I know still exists today, but there's humor involved. So like, I'm kind of forgetting about all of this. And, well, then and, he and it's sh- in the sixties time period too. Yes. And right. then he shocks you with that reality of footage of all the white nationalists in Charlottesville with the tiki torches, which is fucking ridiculous in its own right. Using tiki torches. <laughs> Let's get um, our backyard decorations and go, yeah, <laughs> go <exactly>. march. <laughs> Grab a torch from our bringing, backyard bar. the margaritas. Um, but then the footage of the car driving through the crowd and people Mm. getting hit by the car and the aftermath Mm -hmm. and then the obituary of the girl that died by getting hit by that car. Like he brings it to a shocking reality at the end of the movie where you kind of almost want to cry. Yeah. And it's, I, I applaud that move because like it needed to be done because again, he's addressing something with a little bit of a dark but lighthearted manner, but then he's bringing you the shocking truth of, okay, we talked about this in the '60s. This shit still happens. Yeah, he 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 applies it to our real life while you're still in the theater. Because when you watch movies like this, you know, I mean, and there are so many movies and TV shows and and whatnot that are set in this time period because of, um all of the movements that happened during this time. And, um, and so when like personally, if I watch a movie like this, I, I just sit there. I'm like, okay, that was in the sixties, even though I know it's real today, you know, you get lost in that time period and, and you're thinking about that time period and, and how, you know, wrong everything was in that time period. But then when something says, bam, like, Look at this. This is still happening today. Like I think that that, like you said, it's 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 shocking that, but it's also something that I think is essential when you make a movie um, or a piece of art like this. And I and I think that that's all that Spike Lee has ever really tried to do is he's tried to just get his message across as an artist in the best way that he knows how. And I think that his, um, I think all of his work is very profound. But this movie in particular. I don't know. It, it it hit me in a way that I didn't expect to be hit. And I really, really, really enjoyed the story as well. And the fact that it's Denzel Washington's son playing the lead character, yeah. like hundred percent awesome. Yeah. He is, he is a great actor and I really hope that we see more of him as time goes on. Um, we've already seen a bunch of him. Actually, he's in tenant, which is the, the Christopher Nolan movie. Um, he's in a movie called Amsterdam with Margot Robbie and, Oh, Christian Bale. Or Christian Bale. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, the other yeah, one. Yeah. Um, which I have yet to watch, but I know Me too. I, I've heard is actually really good. Um, but yeah, he's he's been in a bunch of um he's been in a couple things here and there. He hasn't done a lot, but I I'm with you. I want to see more. When your dad is Denzel Washington, you know, those are some huge expectations well, when you walk into a room. He's in Malcolm X. Which Denzel played like as a child, as a child. Yeah, no, no. And and I'm not and I'm not saying that he's not great. I can just only imagine that if your father is 
Denzel Washington, you're walking into an audition room and these people are expecting Denzel Washington. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that would be that would be very unnerving for me as well, but he's really good. I he's excellent. I thought he was wonderful in this movie, but Adam Driver was phenomenal. Adam Driver's fantastic. Um, phenomenal. Again, like, be- and I think a lot of it goes to what I mentioned earlier about there are just things that he does and says as a character that make you cringe and make you uncomfortable. And that but is... But you can see that they make him uncomfortable, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, but that, but that's what I mean. Like, I think that's part of the reason why he's so great in this movie mm-hmm. is, is because the things that he's saying... And the things that he's doing, the fact that they make me uncomfortable and they make me cringe means the character is believable. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, like the fact that he's he's Jewish, but he's he's trying to hide that as he's going mm-hmm. in undercover. And the only flaw, the only thing I saw wrong with this movie, and it's it's not anything having to do with the story. There's a scene where Felix goes knocking on Ron's address and he sees the, uh, does he, and maybe you can correct me on this because maybe I missed it. Does he see the other Ron when, so when what's her name opens the door, when Patrice opens the door? During which scene? Say that one more time. There's a scene where Felix goes when he's still very curious about Adam Driver's Ron Stallworth. So he, and he goes, goes to the apartment. He goes to the apartment and Patrice yeah. opens the door. Does he see the other Ron? Or yeah. Does, okay. So then that buys into the, the only issue that I had is when Ron is assigned, the real Ron is assigned as the detective to protect David Duke. Would Felix not have recognized him as the guy who we, we saw in the apartment as the other Ron Stallworth? No, because I don't think that, I think that, I hate saying this, but racist people see another race as they all look the same. That's a good point. All right. That's, that's a really good point. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think that he did because I had the same thought, but on reflection later, because I did that, that was a sticking point with me as well. But I think that that's just how it is. And when you have like in that scene um, where Ron Stallworth, like an idiot goes into that meeting. <laughs> Which his, Ron Stallworth? The Ron Stallworth, real okay. Ron Stallworth. Yeah, yeah. When he goes into the big dinner or the meeting or something like that as the cop, that's going to be the extra security for David Duke. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's him. And I'm like, this just can't like, this is just the worst idea. I remember, I remember sitting there during the, that whole scene just going, this is bad. This is well, bad. But even, <laughs> but even Ron knows that. Like, he knows this is not a good idea, but he's forced by the chief to do it. Right, right. Well, and I love the fact that he's talking to David Duke, and David Duke doesn't really, like, he kind of well, recognizes Well, he kind of does, voice. because he says, yeah. like, do I know you from somewhere? And, he, and you know, because he does rec- slightly recognize the voice. But again, he's too, he's too ignorant to fully right. realize where, because to David Duke, there is a complete separation right. between white and black. So I'm he, surprised he would never even think that they were the same person. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. And yeah, I guess I, I do wish that maybe, um, 
real Ron Stallworth would have, and I hate saying this, so forgive me if I'm saying anything that is is insulting to anybody, but maybe spoke a little bit more like 60s, 70s jive. No, well, I thought he was going to because the chief even says to him before he when he's forcing him to go in, he's like, it's like you said, there are two languages and you speak them both. M- referring to when Ron Stallworth said he could speak King's English and he can speak jive. It was almost implied to me that the chief was telling him to go in speaking that 60s jive. Do you think it was like a game of chicken? Like he was going to go in and, and, and just prove how racist David Duke was by just being the same exact person that he's been this entire time. Oh, you mean the game of chicken from Ron? Yeah. Oh, I think he absolutely went in there purposely speaking the same way. Because just he to wanted see how to, far he could get. And and to show how ignorant David Duke really was. That right there is brilliant. Well, and so and also I kind of questioned at that time, is the chief does the chief really have his back? Because he says during the interview mm-hmm. process in the beginning of the movie, I will have your back. And when he's sending them in there to be the right hand the, be the detective to protect David Duke, I'm like, well, does he really have his back? I, no. Or is he another racist? But then you get to the end of the movie where they set up patrolman Landers and they get him arrested because of the the kind of cop that he is. And the chief Mm -hmm. is one of the people that walks in and takes Landers out. Like he was fully behind getting Landers out of there. Maybe he, maybe he was testing. Maybe he was testing Ron. I think it, I think that's what it was. You know, I think the chief, it just from that scene alone at the end with Landers, I think I was convinced as like, okay, the chief really did have his back. Yeah. I when when he took when he killed the case uh with uh Ron and oh my gosh, what was Flip. Adam Driver's character's Flip. name? Flip. With Ron and Flip. Seeing Flip get as upset as he got with with uh, I I thought that that was really interesting because in the very beginning of the movie, he just doesn't care about this job. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to be there. He thinks it's ridiculous that Ron Stallworth got to be head of uh, uh an op like this. And then by the end of it, when they're like, nope, this case, we're done, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to give you any more uh, time or energy or whatever. He he got really, really angry. Well, and I think that goes, I think that's a combined thing in that the fact that you're right. Like he he was upset about Ron getting the getting this kind of job before he did uh, or over him rather. But I think mm-hmm. over everything that happened, he, I think, Flip f- realized that Ron was never going to let anything happen to him. Right. Hence the shattering the window when he's getting the lie detector test and, and all these other things. He was convinced at that point, Ron was never going to let anything happen to him. Ron had his back. Mm. He was going to have Ron's back. And Ron was actually a good detective. Really good. And he yeah. had, he had a vision for what he wanted to do from the get go. And I think that the fact that he was, he was, so dead set on his vision of what he wanted to do that that really earned him the respect of his peers or colleagues. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I agree with that completely. Okay. So I have a question for you. Oh no. Well, because I know what a big <laughs> fan you are. Uh-oh. How were you when you saw Ryan Eggold? Oh man. Okay. So <laughs> I've been waiting for this. <laughs> so Ryan Eggold as, as, Walter, it threw me. 
Those of you who don't know who Ryan Eggold is, he is the lead from New Amsterdam, and he was also in um, The Blacklist. He was in The Blacklist, yeah, with uh, James Spader. Um, And you're right. I love Ryan Eggold because New Amsterdam is... I loved that show. A far cry from Walter. Oh, far... Because, (laughs) oh, two completely, totally different characters in that, like... You I know, really couldn't wait to give you this movie. Half of that reason was because of him. <laughs> I'm surprised Eggle. that you haven't mentioned him yet. I and I I I, I was everything else of this movie kind of like put it aside because right. I because I do remember when I started watching the movie and I saw the guy answer the phone to call Ron back. I was like, "That's Max Goodwin. Max Goodwin's not a racist. What's happening? <laughs> Max Goodwin's not in the clan." Uh, and so it kind of threw me for a little bit. And then he kind of becomes a secondary character. You don't see mm-hmm. him a lot in the second half of the movie. He was the nice racist out of all of them. <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, and as weird as that sounds, it's he kind of the crazy. truth. Because I mean, Walter even says we are an organization. We don't like going by the name of the clan. Like we we are not a violent group even though that is far from true. I think Walter literally probably was just a recruiter. So I, I don't know, but you're right. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I almost forgot to, brought, to bring that up because um, I love New Amsterdam. So I know it, it kind of threw me a little bit. And the fact that that was half your reasoning for giving me this movie. Now I'm kind of insulted. Why? I'm not insulted at all. Oh, you're not insulted at all. I give <laughs> no, you a break. Um, Flip and his wife, no, Felix and his wife were the craziest characters in this movie. That wife. Her, <laughs> when they are watching that movie oh. after they're in after their induction into they're the They're watching clan, Birth of a Nation, right? They're I think, yeah, I think they're watching Birth of a Nation. Yeah. The original Birth of a Nation. Yeah. Um, because it has since which been is, remade. Which is a just awful, but awful her, propaganda movie. But her watching that movie, reading everything and like reading everything out loud and like just cheering at it. I was like, I never wanted to slap a woman as badly as I wanted to slap her. And, and I'm actually, I, I, I was glad that she is the one that was the downfall of Felix. Yeah, me too. Like, she is the reason Felix died. And it was Good. combination of her ineptitude and his ignorance. Mm-hmm. That was ultimately their downfall for both of them. She could not do the one job that they gave her to do. He, uh, the whole time, like I, like, I know when she's taking the C4 out and she's trying to stuff it in the mailbox, I'm like, you... He did not tell you to do that. He said, just leave the purse along the building. He didn't tell you to take the C4. I'm like, you are a moron. I know. I know. But you know what? I mean, they're all morons. They were all morons. Every single one of them. I mean, you know, I was just uh, that whole scene, though. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's so tense. It was so tense because you don't know what's going to happen. You have no idea what's going to happen in that in that in I, that I, like, moment. I was like, Patrice better not die. Patrice better not die. Patrice. Yeah, I die. know. I know. And I mean, she was annoying. 
half the time, but I didn't want her to die. Uh, no, I, yeah, I was the same way. And then, and then it got it got to a point where the tension, as weird as this is to say, it is horrible, turned to almost gratification and satisfaction because <laughs> we see her, we see Felix's wife put the C four in the in the Volkswagen yeah. because that's where she saw Patrice come out of. And then you see those guys pull up next to the car. And you're like, oh, he's going to die. He's yes. going to die. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns, it goes from, from tension to satisfaction, knowing full well what is coming. And then it's gratification when it actually happens. And then she ends up getting arrested, if I'm not oh, mistaken. She, went, she goes to prison. Right. Yeah. I we When we went to rewatch it, we rewatched about half of it. And then we had to like stop to go do something else. And then we never got to... F- like rewatch and finish it. So I'm going on memory here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. She gets, she goes to prison for a long time. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, good. The only other thing I had too about the movie is the whole time I'm watching. Um, there's another, one of the other detectives that's in there that um, Jimmy Creek, the whole time I'm like, is that Steve Buscemi? It looks like Steve Buscemi. And the reason why is because it's his brother. <laughs> Oh my gosh! It's I didn't bro- know that. It's his brother Michael. Yeah, that's awesome. Because the whole time I'm looking at him, I'm like, "That looks like Buscemi." And then when I checked the credits afterwards, it was Michael Buscemi. I'm like, "Okay, well, that makes sense." Right. That's why. Um, I really, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, can you please not give me something that's going to frustrate me going into? No, the no, no, no. I got a good one for you this week. Oh man. I'm so sorry, but I will tell you that I did. When you said that you hadn't seen it, I just, it was one of those movies that really stuck with me the year that it came out. And, um, you know, I try to see all of the best picture nominees as much as I can each year. And that was one that I just, I never sat down to watch. And once I did, I just, I just loved it. I just, I thought it was very poignant, very profound. And you and I, we think very much. Yeah. Uh, on the same wavelength, and I, I just knew that you would consider and consider it an important movie to see. It's absolutely an important movie to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I apologize that. for all the heaviness, but it's. I very mean, good. I went from just mercy to Black Klansman. Like, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, like, I know. Geez. I got a good one for you this week, though. You want it? I mean, next week. Are you going to give me like? Like, Django I'm going to give Unchained? you Requiem for a Dream. No, I'm just kidding. No, God, no. <laughs> But the moment you started saying Requiem, my brain just like shut off. <laughs> and then after that, I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you Roots. And then after that, what, what else can I give you? I oh, Schindler's List. Give me Django. I'll give you Sh- Schindler's, Schindler's List. List. Jacob yep. the Liar. Like, yep, just, yep. Yeah. Life is Beautiful. Oh, God, no. That one purely <laughs> because it's Roberto Benigni and I don't want it. Oh, I love him in that movie. <laughs> I love that movie. Now I might give it to you. No, I've seen it. You can't give it to me. all right so this week uh your assignment is a movie that my kids are obsessed with Uh oh oh i already Um, know what it is because you texted me last night and asked me if i've seen it yep (laughs) um because we watched uh we watched the second one of those last night which was apparently terrifying for my children which is hilarious (laughs) but the first one's really fun it's a book series that is one of my favorite young adult book series um, I really think that the movie adaptation, especially for the first movie, is phenomenal. Um, and that's The Maze Runner. Okay. I only have to watch the first one, right? Yeah. Okay. It's up to you if you want to watch two and three. Oh, so this is like 
the first taste is free kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Oh, all right. So. You'll enjoy it. Oh, I'm not saying I won't. Okay. And and you don't have to think about anything heavy. Thank God. Um, okay. So. I've been torturing Ben for weeks. <laughs> um, I am going to give you another movie that I, I'm giving you this movie because it's been a while since I've seen it, but I, I remember really, really enjoying this movie and I want to give it to you because I want a reason to go back and rewatch it as well. Okay. Uh, it is a movie from 2014 called Chef. Oh, okay. Yeah. I do want to see this movie too. It is written, directed, and starring John Favreau. John Favreau. Yes. Who we are big fans of because of the Star Wars universe. And I will tell you, I won't spoil it, but there are a ton of other stars in this movie. Well, and he is the ultimate fighting champion. That's right. <laughs> um, I'm excited. This will be this will be a fun week. I'll have a fun movie. You have a fun movie. Yes. So yeah, that is. Uh, again, this is a movie I've been wanting to rewatch for a while, and I can tell you, one of the other people I found out that you really like that I also really like is also in this movie, and that is Oliver Platt. <gasps> Yay! Yes. I do like him. Have Oliver you started watching um, The Bear yet? Not yet. It's really good. Is Oliver Platt in that? Yeah. Oh, then I, I might have to watch it. He was nominated for Best Guest Star for season one. Did you start season two? Yes. Okay. We are two episodes in? Three episodes? I don't know. We started it. Gotcha. Okay. But every day I come home from work, I basically just... Have dinner and then go to bed. <laughs> I'm so tired right well, now. And that's one of the reasons why we decided to do this every two weeks. Yep. Is because it gives us more time to to actually watch these movies and not feel like we're forced to watch them, but actually yeah. find a time to sit and watch them and actually like enjoy them. Well, like weekends are my movie time. And a lot of times you and I, we record on Saturday or Sunday. And so it's just, it's hard to find the time to prep plus yeah. I'm doing Ahsoka plus you're doing wheel of time plus we're doing revisited. You know, there's just, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And uh, we have jobs. Yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> on, on that note, um, I, you mentioned revisited, so let's bring it up again. Um, yeah. Revisitedpod.com. We are, uh, we are on the penultimate episode of lost. Yeah. Um, we have, this um actually by the time you're hearing this that episode will have dropped already uh which means we're gearing up for the finale the series finale of lost i'm very uh, sad that it's ending i'm sad that it's ending but i'm excited for the next chapter yeah ted lasso will be fun it will be fun but yeah we've been in we've been with the dharma initiative for a while for like two and a half three years yeah, it's going to feel point. really weird to say goodbye to Lost. Yeah. But, you know, it'll it'll be fun. It'll be it'll be bittersweet. Your face looks mixed emotions. I, yeah, it is kind of mixed emotions. Again, it's, yeah. it's it, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Um all right. So, uh we want to hear your feedback on any of the movies that we just talked about or the movies that we're going to be talking about. So, either Black Klansman 
and pirate radio slash the, the boat that rocked um, or chef and the maze runner. So easiest way to do that is go to wilhelmpodcast.com to find ways to, to subscribe, to listen, leave us feedback, or you can email in directly at feedback at wilhelmpodcast.com, either uh, write in an email or you can record yourself in a voicemail and send it to us that way. Um, that being said, I think that just about does it for this, for this movie swap. Um, thank you guys as always for listening and until next time, we'll see you on another episode of Wilhelm. Bye. 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 Bye.